This is Mike Wilbon from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, and I'm speaking with Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Rhino, another special innings extra edition. I love these long form interviews and we're getting some great guests. Another great one. We do have an awesome guest, Jessica Kleinschmidt, who's really a fascinating person to talk to. She is a part of NBC Sports Bay Area. She covers the Oakland Athletics, part of the pre and post game show. She's going to talk to us about the role that women are now playing even in a bigger spot in the broadcast booth and how far they have come and maybe how much further they have to go for that matter. Love the interview. Great insights. Uh, and I like that we're pushing beyond um, just the Chicago market and, and, and we're in the celebrity market. We've been doing that and getting these these voices from other markets, male or female. But Jessica had so much to add. Yeah, she really did. So here is our full-length interview with Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports Bay Area on the Friendly Confines. I love some of the things that you and I were chatting about over our emails. My mm. wife would love you because <laughs> she told me that if I ever proposed to her at a sporting event, she would literally walk out and probably break up with me. So, right. of course, you know, I, I, I avoided that. And I would love to know from you, why are ballpark proposals so awful in your opinion? So it's interesting. When I was little, I always pictured my future husband proposing to me at a ballpark because I love that idea. I, I always feel so romantic about baseball and I love that idea. But as time went on and I got older and actually started believing in love and was mature about it, it just <laughs> felt like it was such a slap in the face to love. And because why would you want the approval of a bunch of strangers, first of all. Second of all, it just... It, it, it's about the proposal, like, okay, cool, but what about the marriage itself? And um, plus it interrupts the game. And I think that's so rude. If I'm trying to watch the game and everybody's going to give attention to you and I'm trying to get more attention to baseball, whatever. So I understand the aspect of it now that I'm not as petty. I get it, but I just think it's a slap in the face of love. But I know a lot of people on Twitter are always going to be like, whoa, why? Like, just let people be happy. Sure, it's not my proposal, whatever, but I also know that I hope my future husband does it just to troll me because I hope that I marry somebody who will like want to prank me in that regard. But it, it actually comes from a love perspective of I, I love love so much that I think that it's just it's kind of poking fun at it. And I don't I think that's terrible. But I think that's a sweet gesture for sure. What you're saying, I yeah, think it makes a lot of sense for absolutely for sure. Right. Um. I I, I want to talk to you about the Cubs a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time on them, only because I'm even at a point where I I don't know what to make of this baseball team anymore. Okay. But l let's just talk about Chris Bryant for a second, and he's having a remarkable year. I don't know if you saw it, but Ken Rosenthal came out today and basically said that. Uh, he does not see any scenario where Chris Bryant is on the Chicago Cubs past the trading deadline. Do you see Chris Bryant being traded no matter what type of season he is having? And I guess no matter what type of season the Cubs are having at this point. I actually do. And not just because it was Rosenthal that said that, but I, I feel like, you know, obviously we know his name's been on the trading rumor block for a couple of seasons now, 
And he's also kind of going to be outside of that shortstop kind of, you know, we're going to have a lot of big shortstops in this next free agency class with Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, these guys. And I feel like he, he'll he be that guy at the hot corner. And there's always one third baseman in every, whether it's free agency or on the trading rumor block that everybody's going to vie for. And not to mention the fact, like I said, who wouldn't want a Chris Bryant on their team? You know, I cover the A's and I know Matt Chapman's pretty much their third baseman forever. You wouldn't not think about a scenario where you would want to have him at that third base position. Even look over the last like three or four years, we're giving so much more positivity and attention to the third baseman. You know, we have like Anthony Rendon who just got this amazing deal with the angels and we have Justin Turner who resigned and I mentioned Chapman and you have a Eugenio Suarez who's actually coming out and everything like that. So you want more attention on that third base position. And however, on the flip side, a who's going to be willing to shell out all that money. Cause you know, for a fact, if he gets traded, they're going to want to extend him because it is Chris Bryant. And, you know, I've been watching him since he was younger. I'm a Nevada girl. And, we, and I heard about Chris Bryant when he was just a teenager. So he'll be that franchise guy. Um, but I also can't picture him on any team, but the Cubs, but we all, you know, deal with that. And I thought about that with Sergio Romo and now he looks great in green and gold. So, um, it'll be interesting, but I, I would have to agree with Ken Rosenthal. And even if that doesn't happen, you know, there's going to be, the rumors are going to be flying because who wouldn't want a Chris Bryant on their team. And like you said, he's doing great, even dealing with an injury right now. We forgot about that because he's having a stellar season. Um, maybe it's that daddy power. He just, you know, had a baby and everything like that. <laughs> and I love it. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded, but I could definitely for happening, but I'm leaning toward trade for sure. Is it is it absolutely just mind-boggling when you look at this team? I mean, you see the guys who are still on this roster from the 2016 team, the Rizzos, the Baez's, the Bryans, the Contreras's, Hayward, Jake Arrieta is back in the in the mix. And yet this team is, I mean, for lack of a better term, just underachieved. They are just not at this moment a very good baseball team. What what do you make of what this this makeup of the team looks like right now? That's a great question. And it's interesting because you, you know, I'm, I'm used to covering the A's where up until a few years ago, it was a different team every single time around. And you want to think of that Chris Bryant World Series team and all that. But you also have to look at the overall picture. I mean, I feel like a lot of teams are just shifting in ways where I feel like we're concentrating on pitching a little bit more. We want to talk maybe the balls aren't juice. That's a whole different podcast. Um, but I definitely feel that. I like the idea of them all kind of staying the same way. And on paper, they're a strong team. I think there's so many teams that go into the regular season coming off of spring training where the roster looks daddy. It looks sexy. We're, we're good. All these names are there, but it's how they perform. And it's kind of interesting. And it's, you know, they, they started when you're looking at the Cubs and how they're playing, I have to double check their record. But I, I think it's, is it about, are they about even right now? They're 10 and 12 right now. Okay. So almost. And, and it's kind of, I, that doesn't surprise me that much. And you want to talk about the division. It's not a tough division for them. It's a, I mean, every division is tough if you really look at it. But I like how they're all kind of getting together. But you have to look at all the, the moves that were made in the offseason over the last couple of offseasons. And they know that they have those teams like the Cubs who on paper are super, super good. So I like the idea of it. But if we want to talk about a Chris Bryant trade, would they want to shake things up in a certain department? I don't know what they're kind of craving or what they would want to do like to improve their roster at this moment. But I mean, I'm glad that they kind of stuck together for a while. And obviously I love the addition of Rossi and, 
and everything like that. So it's a strong roster. It's just about how they kind of put it toward the actual regular season. Yeah, for sure. We're talking with Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports California, and you can find her podcast, Corked Up, which she hosts with Rachel Luba, and she's also on Twitter, at Kleinschmidt. JD. So I, I want to talk to you about your podcast um, and kind of discuss with you how this all came about. If And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, it's a podcast about wine with a little flavor of baseball. Do I have that correct? Or, a splash, a, a wine podcast with a splash of baseball, which is certainly is an exaggeration. We don't, we barely even drink wine anymore um, just because we are really busy and we don't have time to get like wine drunk on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. Um, but yeah, it's, it, so it started off just kind of a, just actually Rachel Luba slid into my DMS and I had read up on her and this was before anybody really knew that Trevor had a new agent. He left Wasserman and I was reading about her. I was like, this girl's like amazing. That's really cool. And she had been following me for a while and she just said like, Oh, you're really funny. I like your humor. And, and so that was cool. I was like, cool. We'll be like Twitter friends. Not even two days later, she slides into my DMs and she's like, hey, Trevor Bauer is a big fan of your work. And I think we can all agree, like Trevor knows content really well. So that really made me excited to know that this guy who was great with content likes my stuff. So she was like, well, he would love to have you on his podcast. I was like, cool, cool. And so before spring training, was it 2020? Was that last year? My goodness. Yeah. Spring training 2020. She said, well, actually, I'm looking to start a podcast. I'm so oblivious, Ryan. Like if somebody's trying to ask me to do something, I'll be like, oh, cool. Like, do you want me to help you find a co-host? And Rachel was like, <laughs> well, no. And she's she's like, are you really great? Like on television, you're great on podcast. Um, but I'm scared to death about being a host and I need kind of somebody to kind of boost me up. So I kind of broke her out of the shell as far as being with the media, because I kind of took the lead and now she's doing really well. So we just came up with this idea and everybody wants to learn about the behind the scenes stuff when it comes to baseball. And I'm very open with the, the stuff I deal with in the media. So we go back and forth and I learn from her. She learns from me and we create this beautiful conversation and we don't hold back. And, you know, obviously covering Trevor and free agency was really cool to watch. Um, and I learned so much from her and she taught me about a lot of the stuff that the media lies about and all those little things. So that was interesting. And it's just been a blast and we have a cult following and people are obsessed with it, which is great. So you know, momentum's happy with it. And that, of course, is the the create the this content creator that produces this podcast. And it's been fun. So yeah, it's kind of different from the usual A's coverage that I've been doing, but it lets me speak my mind and have some fun and ask the questions that I feel like fans want to know. And I feel like that's very imperative to a lot of podcasts these days. You know, it's it's really great to see the rise that we are um finally seeing more of when it comes to female voices in sports and <laughs> and I, I think you are have become one of those people um there's yourself I, you mentioned Rachel your friend Melanie Newman who's mm -hmm. now doing the Baltimore Orioles games um how how take if you can how happy are you with the direction of how that's going and what would you still like to see when it comes to more opportunities to see women um in baseball basketball football broadcasting and reporting um sporting events because i think for a long time it was you know the the sideline reporter was the the dominant uh female person in a broadcast 
And we're not just seeing that anymore. We're seeing more play-by-play announcers and hosts and whatnot. Are you happy with that direction? And, or, and tell me about um, how you play that role in, in, in China changing that a little bit more when it comes to women in sports and in broadcasting. I think the direction is certainly going forward. However, the bumps and, and nicks and crannies are certainly going to be there. Um, I feel like that's part of the reason why I love it so much is because I'm often like ignored or I'll put in my opinion. I could be on a panel with two literally former MLB players. Their resume, of course, is going to be better than mine. Um, so I can't compete with that. However, they can't compete with how I view the game because nobody views the game really the same way. So I like how they're creating more opportunities for women, but I also know that there's still a lot more work that needs to be done because of the fact, like, correct. I mean, I did play baseball. I played baseball up until I possibly could until my sophomore year of high school. And I was told, well, there's a softball team. You can't play baseball, which still pisses me off to this day because those are two different sports. And I, and so I did the best I could, you know, but I also viewed the game a, a different way. And like you said, when I was younger, it was just like, oh, you can, all you can do is be a sideline reporter. And that's not putting sideline reporters to shame because that's a tough job to do as well. But I wanted to do different things. I wanted to be an analyst. I wanted to be a host. I wanted to report on these things. I wanted to blog. I wanted to do podcasts. I wanted to do the, the live TV stuff. So for me, it was, it was never about, at the beginning, it was about, okay, she's good for a girl, right? And now I'm like, I just want to be good. And so I feel like I have enough people in my life, both who identify as male and female that can say, okay, yeah, like, like, I want to hear her opinion on that. And that took a while, you really have to develop a relationship and, and with these people, these individuals, and just show who you are and not apologize for it. Because at the end of the day, we all know who has that MLB resume and who doesn't. So yeah, like one of my best friends is Melanie Newman and she's doing a great job and that's play by play. And that's a tough gig period. And I'm in awe of what she does. And so I'm glad that she got that opportunity and it's great, but her and I and Danny Wexelman's of the world and will be the first to tell you, we still get backlash. Like there was one time where I was hosting a show and I was trying to get the analyst to talk to me and he kept ignoring me. And it turns out his wife said he's not allowed to talk to women on air. And I was like, okay, well, how am I supposed to do my job then? You know? And, and so that would never happen. She would not say you're not allowed to talk to a man on air or, you know, when I am talking to a guy and he, whether he's an analyst or a host and he, his eyes glaze over that, that reminds me like, okay, we still have some work to do. I walk in the press box and they'll say, oh, the, the wives and girlfriends have to go sit over there or, or stuff like that. And it's, I, I, I'm not offended by it anymore because now I, if you don't know who I am, I'm going to show you who I am and that'll shut you up. So I think we still have a long way to go, long way to go, but we're definitely in that on that way. And I, I honestly just don't think it'll ever go away. And I think that's part of it though. And you can ask any of the women that are in this industry and that's part of it. Like we we're always going to probably have to work harder than the guys. And this has been since little league. If I made an error, it was because girls shouldn't play baseball. If Cody playing shortstop made an error, he was having an off day. That's how it always was. So it just kind of is what it is. When I make a mistake, it's extra because of my gender and that's BS. So I'm at this, at this point in my life, I'm like, all right, well, I'm, gonna f up we all do 
but so did that guy. And I don't see you coming at him in a certain way. Or if I tweet about a player, I'm automatically romantically attracted to him. And that's not the case. But then if another man who says, oh, Chris Bryant, I have a man crush on him, which you should, he's a beautiful man, but you should also remind ourselves, I, I can't say that stuff. So that kind of stuff. So we're forward moving, but we have a lot of work to do. It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. If you're a Cubs fan, you know that when an opposing player hits a home run at Wrigley Field, the tradition is to throw the ball back. But when did this tradition start? Legend has it that it started in 1969, when Hank Aaron of the Braves hit a home run and the Cubs fan who caught it wanted to give the ball to Aaron, but he ignored him. The following year in 1970, Aaron homered again at the friendly confines and the same fan caught the home run ball. Because of what happened a year ago, this time he threw the ball back onto the field and it's been happening ever since. That's your Golden Cubs fun fact of the week brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment, offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league style ball club. To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. And now back to our interview with Jessica Kleinschmidt. I'm curious because I was going to ask you one question. I still want to ask it, but you kind of want what you said. I want to kind of ask you something else. Um, It's kind of a two part question. One, you have a huge following on social media. And I know that comes with a lot of gross people who make comments to you on social Mm -hmm. media when it comes to Twitter. Um, And you're amazing. I I follow you on Twitter. You're amazing at, you know, dunking on people and, 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 you know, giving it right back to them. I'm curious how you have kind of dealt with that. And um, to your other point, when you talked about, you know, players, uh, we've heard stories, obviously, of players that have, you know, hit on people that work in sports that are female. What that has been like, not just from players necessarily, Jessica, but maybe people in the industry that that have maybe you had to deal with, of course, no names. And, you know, if you don't want to get specific, of course, we I understand. But I'm just curious what sort of stories, if any, you have from from those two situations. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough where I, I don't have any, you know, player scenarios where I have to go to anybody about because but I like you're right, I have heard stories, but it's um I can't go into detail about it. I'm actually going on a documentary to talk about it this week. Uh, and it's a lot of men in power. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of them have to deal with communications. You know, I'm a reporter and they think that if I want to ask for an interview, they'll say something along the lines or they'll send me gross things. So these things have happened. And I'm lucky enough where I work for a place and the front offices have had my back and they've believed me. And I can't say a lot of women will say that type of deal um but honestly like dealing with them has been nothing compared to like the backlash that I get on Twitter um and it's a lot of people that I've seen in real life and they they they'll they won't talk to me but they'll go right back on their phone and complain about me or call me fat and call me stupid and and all this other stuff and then it turns out these people just want to complain about something and so I had to grow like literally a thick skin but it's also okay to remind ourselves that Tracy on Twitter 
sent us the nasty thing. And I will say too, it's actually been women that have been way worse than the men. And I can confidently say that. And I'll say that until I'm blue in the face. Players don't make me feel uncomfortable. A lot of the men in the clubhouse do not make me feel uncomfortable. It's my colleagues that are women that have been terrible to me. Um, and they're fake and they're catty and they've been way worse than men have ever been in this industry, which kind of shocks some people, but a lot of women will agree with me. So uh, you have to just take it with a grain of salt. And if you feel uncomfortable, say something, because I feel like that's important. I think a lot of women are scared to say anything and now they have a hotline to kind of help us out, which is great. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to complain and, and I also hate when women are complaining about being a woman in the industry, it's like, well, okay, but we also have a job to do. Like, go report them, do what you need to do, but stop going on Twitter, wasting your time complaining about being a woman in the industry and not try to do something about it. Because if you say something, people can get held accountable for it. We can go from there, but it's, I just don't like when women say, woe is me, this is so hard. For sure, it's hard. We all know it's hard. I have to work extra hard. But you complaining on with for 45 minutes on Twitter, you could be just go to somebody, say something. And this has happened to me all the time. They'll ask me for advice and then I'll give it to them. And they're, and they're not even scared to say anything. They're just like, well, I just don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm like, then why did you want to complain to me? Like, I don't understand. So it just feels like it's a, a scenario from that. And I, I don't have time for the bullshit where somebody's treating me like crap. I'm going to say something and I've done it before. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm thankful that I can speak up, but if people are scared, like my, my, my messages are always going to, or most of the time they're going to be open. Like I want women to tell me if something's bothering them and if they're too scared to say something, I'll take care of it. And I have always been open about that, but these things are going to continue to happen unless we, unless we speak up and I feel like they're handling it better. You have the Mickey Calloway situation and the, the Mets uh, front office situation, which was just absolutely disgusting. And so I feel like we're in the right path. Uh, but we're also just at the end of the day, I just want to do my job. And I feel like there's times where I can't even do that because people are just awful. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so well said, Jessica, like yeah. really, really well said. I, I appreciate that answer so much. Sure. I, I want to ask you just a couple more and your rise in this profession. And again, I, you know, from what I was reading, it's pretty fascinating. You kind of went the non-traditional route when it comes to getting into broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Can you, you kind of take me through that a little bit? Because you did not, I, I want to make sure I'm correct. You did not go to college or finish college. You kind of just went straight into broadcasting right out of high school. Is that, am I right in saying that? Or I attempted college, but that wasn't my, wasn't my thing. Yeah. So I, I'm like a college, a, a community college dropout, if you will. And yeah, like I, I tried it and I was like, oh, I'm just not a good student. And that's how it was in high school too. I liked writing and playing sports. That's like the, like I've always aced PE, always aced English and statistics which is funny because now I literally do that for a living. And, um, but yeah, I, I was, I would just, I was struggling. I was like, I can't, I'm, why would I go to college if A, I'm going to spend all this money and I'm not happy. Like I, it's not like I don't value education. It's just like, why would I spend all this money when I'm not getting anything out of it? And I remember thinking like, well, I could just like create my own thing and I've always wanted to do this. So I was working for the federal government at the time and I quit my job, which was a very cushy job. And, you know, great benefits. I had a job pretty much for the rest of my life, but I wasn't happy. I was actually quite depressed. And I was thinking like, well, what can I do? Why not pursue this? Like, what's the worst that can happen? I don't make it. And I have to go back to my cushy government job. Like, that's fine. So I one day quit, 
and moved to the Bay Area thinking I would just get hired by the A's of the Giants because I had, you know, a thousand followers on Twitter. That didn't happen. I struggled and I tried and I kept blogging and I kept writing. I kept tweeting. I kept creating content. And then finally, God willing, I got my first big job and it was with FanDuel and they wanted to write, create content. And that's kind of where it started. And um, when I got let go from that job, I was freelancing for six months, just struggling. I couldn't get a paycheck. I was barely making my car payments. And then right as I, as you mentioned, Melanie Newman, I was calling her and I was just in tears. I was like, Melanie, I tried, babe. I tried. I'm ready to quit. We're done. And she was like, absolutely not. She's like cheering me on saying, if, if I can't, if you can't make it, how the hell am I going to make it? And as I'm crying to her on the other line, cut for NLB.com's cut for was calling me to offer me my a job. And the rest is history. Um, NBC recruited me from that. Um, since then, my life has just been insane and fantastic. And and yeah, like I don't suggest doing it. If my future children ever said, hey, I'm going to quit my government job to pursue writing about the A's, I would slap them emotionally and physically. Um, but this is what I wanted to do. And I knew I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I was going to do it. And I wish I could say like exactly what happened, but like just opportunities presented it themselves and you know here we are now i'm on your podcast so i know boom. right that's right and look at where it's taken you to yeah. our podcast Jessica. Yes. There, yes. there you go we've all shot for the the mountains on a that, cinderella right? story yes <laughs> that's right um wait i gotta ask though like the i mean obviously the bay area is not cheap like how are you paying your rent or so i moved back to reno for a little bit and okay. so I, I lived, you know, I had places to go and, and all that. So I moved back to Reno for like three more years. And that's when the Bay Area kind of came back. So it was actually kind of funny how the how NBC ended up hiring me. Oh, my gosh. All right. So here's our last question. There, this is a, a great joke that you are in on that is on Twitter. You have an amazingly striking resemblance to oh, Danielle gosh. Fischel, the actress from Boy Meets World, who yes. played Topanga. So my question is, is, is there any is there any chance that you and her can meet, take a photo? Uh, she is not far. I assume she lives in Los Angeles. Right. Is, you know, up the road. Is that something that has ever been presented to you? Does she know you exist in any scenario as well? That's a great question. I think she knows I exist. And the reason why was uh, she threw out the first pitch for the Dodgers when her like spinoff series came out. And I was going on a radio show like two days later and they're like, oh, that's really cool. We're going to use your photo when you threw out the Dodgers at the Dodgers game to promote that you're coming on. And I was like, what photo are you talking about? This person literally thought I was Topanga. So they used it. <laughs> and so it got so much attention and she kept liking my tweets, but I wasn't sure if she was just like, you know, okay, whatever. The best part is, is her first name's Danielle. I don't tell many people this. My middle name's Danielle. Wow. And, and so, you know, that was what, ever since high school, like, and I didn't really watch Boy Meets World until like the umpteenth person was like, Hey, you look like Topanga. And now that like, I'm older, not that many people like younger millennials know who she is. So I don't get it as much, but I'm trying to make it happen. Like, um, if she's listening to this, which she probably is, I'm sure huge she fan. is huge, huge fan, huge fan, friend of the yes. podcast. Um, I would love to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And our thanks once again to Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports Bay Area in California. And you can find her at KleinschmidtJD for all of her Twitter followings and what she is all about. So be sure to check her out there. Um, Chad, I just really enjoy 
hearing from, you know, somebody who's got great perspective about women in television and in broadcasting, for that matter, and kind of what is happening um, when it comes to the role that women play in the broadcast booth. I, I, I'd have Jessica on every month if we could. Great insights. Uh, and, and what if, you know, Cubs fan or not, uh, um, you got great, you just got great information. And it's a great, it's a, for me, it's, it's just a way to open your eyes to a perspective that uh, maybe not have considered. And the fact it's coming from the Bay Area is even better. Yeah, absolutely is. So our thanks once again to Jessica and our thanks once again to you, the listener. You can find Chad and I on social media. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. So please be sure to check us out there. Plus, we have our Friendly Confines Facebook page. So, of course, be a part of it. Join the conversation. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this special edition of the Friendly Confines. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley